Stories of the human spirit. Candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The Law of Action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to Show Action Takers. Glad to have you here. Living the Law of Action is based on my book, The Law of Action, and I love to connect with the movers and shakers of the world who are passionate about the good they do for others and who listen to their hearts, taking inspired action every single day. If this is your first time joining us or you've been with us for a while, I want to personally thank you for listening and being here. On this show, my guests are incredible. People who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of inspired action. My guest today does just that. In this episode, Malcolm Bell and I discuss how to unlock action and, yes, dare to be average. So if you want to learn to take action, form stronger, meaningful connections, and elevate your life, this is the show for you. Malcolm Bell is a social circle and networking coach, helping entrepreneurs and professionals connect with more excellent people for fun, for business, for dating. Hey, Malcolm, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me on, man. First of all, I want to talk about dare to be average. Like, sure. that's not the norm. I, if you look on social media today and you look at everybody, everybody has these incredible lives. Like, there is no one that has any issues or problems. It's just like, my life is great. I'm making $5 million a minute doing whatever <laughs> I'm doing, you know? And it's just like, it's. I think it's having an impact on people because people are are trying to get ahead and live their happily ever after. And I think that being average is okay. And I don't think you have to have that life that, you know, people see as unattainable Mm -hmm. and what's average for some may not be for others. So Mm -hmm. what do you mean by dare to be average? Um, Well, I'm, I've always been a perfectionist. Um, I've always through my whole life, I've always struggled with taking action because there was always this ego fear of like, if I don't succeed with perfection, then suddenly that questions whether or not I'm the smart guy, whether I'm the successful guy or something like this. And so as a result, a lot of things in my life were like locked behind kind of closed doors. Perfection would put things behind closed doors for me. And a lot of times I would try something new because my interest led me there or whatever reason. And if I wasn't immediately successful at it, I would immediately quit. I would immediately leave it or I would lose motivation or lose interest. And I find that the idea of daring to be average is quite powerful because, first of all, it unlocks action for me personally and for a lot of the other people that I've kind of shared this idea with. And this isn't my idea. This is kind of a pretty old idea. I don't remember exactly where I first heard it, but I've heard it in other places. So Um, I'm not going to try to claim this is my, you know, well, there are no original ideas. They're just all out there and it's how we package them. And I think that's, you know, yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, that's an, that's what an average person would say. Well, it's not my idea. So average (laughs) I find is the idea that if you can allow yourself the horrifying idea that maybe I'm just a random dude, I'm not going to be some kind of celebrity 
I'm people don't really care that much about you know following my leadership or something like this. I'm I'm just kind of an average guy. Well, what I found was that when I removed that um, expectation of perfection from myself, first of all, it really unlocked action. I was able to take action a lot more easily, and I was able to stick with things a lot longer when I wasn't immediately immediately successful because I found that it was like, well, I, I wasn't trying to be perfect anyway. I was kind of trying to be average. But the irony of that situation is that I was able to perform at a very high level in a lot of different areas because suddenly now I'm taking action. I'm taking more action than other people. I'm accepting the idea that um, challenge is the main mechanism for growth, at least in my life. And I'm able to embrace the difficulty and the ego and just sort of accept it and then just continue to do things regardless. Um, A good example of this, I would say, was Um, when I was younger, I was in a ski racer. I did a lot of downhill ski racing and I really struggled when I wasn't in first place every single race. And sometimes I would lose a race by like, you know, to second place by like a couple tenths of a second. Ski racing is one of those super, super tiny margin racing sports. Um, and eventually I quit. I quit that when I was like, you know, 17 or 16, something like this, because I sort of said, I'm not the best anymore. So why bother? And it was sort of an ego game that I was playing with myself. But now as an adult, I've got heavy into motorcycle racing now. And the, the difference in my performance is crazy because I'm much more able to accept that I'm not going to be the best all the time. There's always someone better. There's always Always. someone to be chasing if you want to chase, but the real person that you need to be fighting against is, and I know this is totally a cliche to say, but like you from yesterday and in motorcycle racing, it's a huge uh, it's it's easily quantifiable because I have my lap time from the previous lap. And so instead of trying to chase the guy in front of you or the race leader, it's really about chasing your lap time and incremental improvements over time on a system of learning versus just trying to use raw talent and chasing perfectionism. Absolutely. Well, the law of action is based on decide, plan, and act. And it, yes. it's creating momentum. And the cool thing I love about, you know, your dare to be average and some people are like, I don't like that. I like it for the fact that you're now the big fish in the small pond and the small pond is the Malcolm pond. Mm-hmm, so exactly. you're competing against yourself. And, you know, isn't that really what you're doing when you're downhill skiing? You're really competing against yourself because it's just you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I saw a long time ago, you, I don't like heights. I like speed, but looking up so high on that hill. I I was watching uh, the skiing and I was thinking, how do they train your downhill skiers? All right. You point downhill and you just go really, really fast. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. really, isn't that it? I mean, it that, it's just, yeah. you're, you're just going to go as fast as you can and not crash. Yeah. Like that's, that's coaching. So I could be an Olympic coach. How you do you could, you're done. do a you're downhill scare? Yeah. Yeah. Don't crash <laughs> and go really, really fast. <laughs> You know, that's that you can look at that in in success in life is that, you know, a lot of people look at that. They just like, okay, go downhill and go really, really, really fast. However, what happens is there are obstacles. So you have a lot of, um, you know, hills or you have not rocks, but you can see I'm not a skier, but you have obstacles in your way Mm -hmm. and you still have to get from point A to point B and you have to take that action to get there and you have to make pivots and adjustments to get to the bottom of the hill mm-hmm. safely, which I think would be very similar to how we have to get from point A to point B in our success. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And oftentimes I find that, you know, you can put obstacles in front of like when ski racing, for example, you put gates, right? You have to f- go around gates as you go down the right. hill. And uh, depending whether you're doing slalom or grand slalom, it's, uh, you know, the size of the course changes, things, parameters can change. But the one constant I found so much was myself that I was, you know, like the Dr. Zeus thing, wherever you go, there you are. And I would try to change sports. I also, I've been playing piano for like 10 or 10 years or so. And uh, even with that, it was like, if I didn't understand the music right away, I would lose interest and want to change and want to do something else because I have this ego identity of Malcolm is smart and he's good at everything and he can just accomplish it like right away. Um, and even with my relationship with uh, mentorship, for example, I wouldn't want to take advice from other people often because I really struggled with the, I guess, implicit understanding, I guess, that if you're taking advice from someone else, then there's something you don't know. Obviously, <laughs> I, didn't, I wasn't born wow. knowing everything, but growing up, I just had this, this um, ego, I guess, that really wanted to be good at everything right away and not take advice from anyone else. But the more I started to admit that, hey, you've lots of room to grow, you've lots of room to learn, you've lots of people that you could learn from or grow. Um, and those people, as I began to sort of dare to be average and accept that I'm not going to be perfect at everything in life, um, I was much more open to saying, okay, well, these people might be better than me. They could be better than my average. And I could accelerate my learning by accepting assistance or mentorship or leadership or training or whatever you want to call it from people who were maybe further, further along than I was. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I'm the direct opposite of what you were Okay. in that, you know, as a, as an entertainer and as a voice actor, I have to have a really big ego. I was on radio for 15 years. You have to have a big ego to be able to do that. Oh, don't get me um, wrong. I but still the have a big ego. <laughs> well, it's <just laughs> interesting about, so here's the thing is I don't think I'm very smart in any way, shape or form. And I'm just amazed at what I'm able to accomplish. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, that's great. It's so, it's, it's very interesting. The exact opposite of what you were saying. And it's interesting because if someone is listening right now, they're thinking, well, I'm not like that. Well, I could be like that. And it's just different chapters of our life. But still, I mean, I'm, I consider myself successful, but I'm surprised and shocked every time something happens. And people are like, oh my God, you're so smart. And how do you get this done? I go, I, you know, I'm just too dumb to realize I can't fail. I mean, that's really what it is. I just, yeah. that's what I do. Um, but I, but I think it's, it's important to step down and just be in the moment of as you're moving through your life. Mm-hmm. Because when you're going down your hill, whether it's motorcycle racing or you're skiing, you have to be in the present moment. You can't be thinking about, if you just imagine what would happen. You're going down the hill, you're skiing, and how fast do you go? I mean, it depends fast. on the hill. Okay, but just more than, I don't know, how, how many 60, miles an hour? 80, 100 kilometers an hour. Okay, that's pretty darn fast. That's pretty, pretty fast. So yeah. if you're, yeah, so if you're going down there and you, there's a lot of obstacles, you got to do all this stuff, you would be totally focused in very present moment. If you start thinking about, God, I wish that person would have called me back yesterday. I can't <laughs> believe that girl shunned me in the bar last night or whatever. What's, you're going to crash. Oh, yeah. I'm a big, you, you uh, have... I'm a big believer that uh, this is why I say I actually advise a lot of people get into some kind of racing sport, um, especially car racing or motorcycle racing. Because meditation, and I, I'm a big advocate of meditation, um, it's nice. kind of about you go into a quiet space and you try to block out distractions 
mechanically from your environment by sitting in a quiet place, sit comfortably, this kind of idea. Maybe you have some calming music on, something like this. And then the struggle is to be focused in an environment where there's no stimulus except your own inner maybe monologue and your mind noticing tiny things in your environment and to bring in all stimuli from the environment. But I find motorcycle racing is actually the opposite. It's stay in a focused meditative state while there is so much to distract you that it's almost impossible yeah. to stay focused on the, the fundamentals of the sport, which are, for example, like if you need to um, look down the track and then in front of you and down the track and in front of you. And this two-step of back and forth this is very important in racing is to give your brain as much um, input as possible because your brain's a computational engine. And so the more information you give it, the more it can calculate. And so right. focusing, for example, on make sure you're looking down, looking in front, looking down, looking in front while there's people around you and you're going 150 kilometers an hour and you're have the roar of the engine under you and the wind and your gear and on and on and on of all of these different things, which are very distracting. And so I find yeah. that for those two exercises of meditation and then a racing sport are very valuable for people. And I, I really advise that people get into, um, there's nothing really like motorcycle racing, um, sailing, racing, sailing is one though, that does come close for sure. Um, because, but it's more of a team thing. I'm not so much of a, <laughs> of a team player maybe, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I advise people to get into some extreme sports, get into some things like that. You'll never know what you're capable of. Um, if you don't at least try it. Yeah. I find it fascinating when I see the Red Bull events and I see them doing these daredevil stuff or, um, you know, even I just saw a video the other day of this guy in a bicycle mm -hmm. and I'm afraid of heights. Like I don't dig them at all. And he's up on this mountain and he's going through these very, very small trails and he's just driving. It's like, he's walking across. He's like walking in a shopping store, a center or something so like no effort. So comfortable. He's flipping and you know, he could die if he falls off this trail. He was mm -hmm. hundreds of feet above and he's just like, shh, shh. or you see them, you know, doing the flips and stuff. And it's, it's amazing to me. I would love to be able to just tap into the brains of people that are doing those extreme sports because 100%. it feels like you feel when you, you hear them, they're not, they're, they're pretty calm. They're, yeah. Oh, yeah. They seem sure. very, very zen like when you're flipping in the air and there's a chance of you dying. But they're like, yeah, this is just kind of cool. Yeah. This is like my meditation. Well, that's kind of what I'm talking about is that it's, it's such a, it requires such focus. And focus is something I always struggled with, especially when I was younger. Yeah. And it's an amazing training tool that can really spread and transfer into the rest of your life. It gives you a lot of confidence. Um, and it yeah. really can give you a lot of, mm, yeah, it's kind of like a meditative experience for sure. Calm so and if you don't situations. have the, yeah. So if you don't have the ability, so is, I wonder if it's the adrenaline rush, but if you don't have the ability to do motorcycle racing or riding a BMX bike or skateboard or something like that. So I would think another op opportunity for you to get in that space is a couple of ways. One, you could do guided self meditation, which mm -hmm. I think is so important. Yes. Um, <clears throat> mindfulness, which is really important. The other thing is, I don't know if they have them all around the world, but they have them here in the U.S. and I think they have them in Canada. But they're float tanks. Oh, And they're yeah. samadhi tanks. And what that does is it's uh, sensory deprivation. Mm -hmm. And you you lay in this 
water that has 800 pounds of Epsom salt. The water is heated to 98 degrees. They close you in like a clam and the lights go off and you can't see, you can't hear, and you can't feel because you're floating effortless. And I've done it many, many times. Mm -hmm. And talk about a relaxed, zen-like experience. Absolutely. Uh, You know, that's something you can do. I know they have Groupons for that or you could do it's like 30 or 40 bucks or 50 bucks, but it's way different than a massage. And it really will quiet your mind. And the interesting thing about quieting your mind, especially like two action takers like us, I've really mastered that ability. And I'm a pretty hyper guy, really hyper. I mean, come on, Mr. Action. And to have that quiet is like jet fuel. When you get to a space of quiet, it's jet fuel. Mm -hmm. And it will propel you to ways that you never thought possible interesting it's uh kind of scary i'm not gonna lie (laughs) the idea but i did it one time the float tank thing and i just uh it's kind of frightening to be honest i've so i've done it um i was a research subject in san diego for a brain institute Mm -hmm. and i used to do it you know most people do it for an hour i've done it for eight hours wow uh let's just say and it's kind of interesting to to rethink of this. I actually went all the way back in my brain to um, into the birth canal, into the fallopian tubes, and back into where before I was born. <laughs> and it's a very common. It's very common. Okay. It's very common for people that have done deeper, deeper uh, isolation work. Self isolation. Do you find that you begin to like like hallucinate or anything? Yes. There's actually a book. I have to find it. I don't know where it's at off the top of my head, but it's a book and this guy does a float tank and he actually turns into a caveman. He actually oh, wow. goes back and comes out and turns into a caveman. It's either a book or a movie, but yeah, um, I didn't turn into a caveman, but it's very yeah. powerful. The mind is so, you know, you're sitting there and it's, if you haven't meditated before or even not been in a samadhi tank, a flotation tank, it's really loud you don't think about it, but when you get in a quiet space, your brain's like, and then when you get that quiet, it's, it, you know, it's kind of nirvana. It's a very mm-hmm. powerful thing. And when I say that it's like jet fuel, it's like jet fuel. It gets you centered and focused and you get this inner drive that's pretty remarkable. And and I I, I just want to go back to the dare to be average. I love that. You become, because I think we're our own worst enemies. And I think with social media, and you know social media so much, it's so fake. It's just so fake of what people put out there. Mm -hmm. In that a lot of what you see is not real. Mm -hmm. A lot of what you see is just not attainable because you don't have the skill sets to do it. Like, you know, say I wanted to be a great motorcycle racer. I'm sorry, but... That's never going to happen for me. No matter how much I want that, no matter how much training I get, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. It's just not. I don't I don't see that as a possibility. Yeah. And so if that's something you want, it's not going to happen. But the thing is, be surprised. Mm-hmm. Like, I think baby steps are really important. Like, take action and make an adjustment. So you go decide, you plan, you act, and then you have a win and enjoy yeah. that win. 
and you get that momentum and the wins get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then your average is not average. That's exactly the point is that you really start to find out that even though you were accepting the idea of being average, you're not average. (laughs) No, we we all have things which we can be excellent at. And another part too, that I found of the idea of being average is that it really allows you to pick one thing. I'm not going to be the master of everything in my life. It's just not feasible. I just don't have enough time. And so it's much more interesting to me now to pick a couple things that are deeply interesting to me um, and focus my time and attention on those things. And the, to be really good at like a couple things I find is, is much more exciting than trying to be this perfectionist where it's like, I'm the man, I'm the Renaissance man. I'm perfect at everything. I <laughs> like this idea. It's just, I don't know. Maybe there was such a thing as a Renaissance man. Maybe it was kind of a meme and it was made up, but uh, it's was, not me. I'm not, nah, I'm not the, the master of all. No, no, no. I mean, I, I have a friend who's just amazing at after effects and I've been mm-hmm. trying to learn after effects, Adobe after effects, you know, for, for, for manipulation on video and, and animation. And I have resigned myself that my brain just is not going to understand mm. after effects. Fair enough. It's just not, it's just, it's just not now Photoshop. I got, I got Adobe premiere. And so I can do those things, but after effects, it just, I think it's just too much left brain. There's a lot yeah. of little coding in there yeah. and you have to make a lot of adjustments and I'm just like free form and you know, yeah, you fly. So, you know, when you, when you find your strengths and you embrace your strengths and you get in flow, you know, man, when, when you're in the zone, when you're in flow, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. If there's a lot of friction in your life of whatever you're doing, you might want to reassess. Yeah. I find that it's also heavily related to, and I'm not much of a, like a genetic determinist here, but there is a certain level of um, what you were good at innately and then also whatever you receive training for as a child. And often those things are the things that you're going to excel the most at later in life. And unfortunately for some people, although they may love the idea of playing guitar or something like this, if you're not innately good and you don't have the, you didn't receive training at a young age, like I would say under like 16 or 18, you will not be world-class at that thing. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that you can't go and do it. And again, this is where this average thing comes from is where people say like, oh, I've always wanted to become a pilot or I have a friend of mine that always wanted to get into, um, you know, uh, mountain biking or something like this, whatever it might be, again, just go do it. You can find, you don't need to be perfect at it. And this is, again, what I tell a lot of my clients, too, is they're saying, oh, I don't like, you know, I'm an introvert. I don't like socializing with people. I'm, you know, it's energy draining for me or something like this. And I'm saying, well, you were never taught how to do this. And now you're 30 years old and you're beating yourself up because you're not immediately an expert at it. What makes you think you would be an expert? You don't beat yourself up when you're not a culinary chef the first time you step into the kitchen. So why are you beating yourself up about not being the social god on day one? And so, but that doesn't mean that you can't start to take action and start to do things so that maybe in six months or a year from now, you become more proficient at it. Sure. You're not Roger Federer playing tennis, but you can still enjoy a game of tennis. You can still do things at an average level 
And as long as you're enjoying it, as long as you are having fun, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah. And I think there's some surprises because I never cooked when I was a kid. I never really cooked as an adult. I maybe threw stuff in the microwave or I, you know, did popcorn or maybe boil an egg or something like that. And for some reason over the last couple of years, I know how to cook. Yeah. Like I make pretty food. I've just, I just have an innate ability to do it. I never knew I did. Mm -hmm. And I get such joy out of creating incredible meals for my, for my family, you know? And Um, that's an example where you have some innate skill at a thing and you've unlocked that fine at a later age, but it took you time to do it. And if you were demanding perfection from day one, you wouldn't have gone past. (laughs) (laughs) My craft dinner isn't pretty. I'm done. Screw it. I'm done. Not Yeah. Not, but it's, I think it's funny because, um, I don't have a lot of patience. And the care and the, and the effort and the intention when I make a meal. So like I made a meal for my wife the other day. Um, I made a soft boiled egg, but the intention was it took two weeks just to get the perfect dishware, like the spoon and the, the, the perfect dish to put the egg in. This is starting the to volcano. sound like perfectionism. Uh, well, it's so, <laughs> well, okay. So here's the thing. So I'm ADHD, OCD. Uh, I'm, I'm getting really good at my perfectionism and just one is better than none. And that's what I, I was talking about TikTok. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, and I, I have to do a TikTok on this probably today is that I was all in on TikTok in 2019. And then I'm like, oh, I saw these other people and they had lights and all the cameras and everything was so perfect. And I'm like, if I'm not going to do it great, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And it just was a lot of effort. So I put my things in, but now we could go. I dove back into TikTok. It's not perfect. Everyone's getting better. I'm working on my lighting. I'm working on my sound, which is important. Um, I bought a different camera, but I'm still doing it. Yes. So I'm perfect in my own perfection and I've had success. So I went from like 25 followers that no one had any idea that I was even on TikTok. And now I'm up to like 700 followers in a week. Yeah. And I've gotten, you know, thousands of views on my videos. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because... I'm like, okay, I should have been on here. And, and it's, what's interesting is that my intention of being on here is not to succeed on TikTok. Mm-hmm. My intention on TikTok is to add value, Yes, is to genuinely contribute. And I think when you get in that spot and you shift, shift your mindset, things happen a lot quicker. You know, when you, when you're going to something, that you want to take. Mm-hmm. I think your chance of success is far less than when you're going in there to make an impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, a lot of people, you know, I have a friend who's starting a production company. It's going to be a multi-billion dollar production company. His intention was not to make money. He already has money. His intention was to create and to create opportunity for people that don't have the opportunity to create. Mm-hmm. And because of that, People are thriving towards him. People are running to give him money and people are wanting to be a part of it because his why is not about him. His why is about the impact that he wants to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I found that that's, uh, I think it's a really uh, salient point because so many people, it breeds this sort of desperation when you're looking out into the world being like, I want a thing. And it's actually really hard to 
give in a way that is valuable because you really have to really, really put yourself in the backseat. And it's hard to do. It's very, very difficult to do. But even with people's social lives, so often they will show up saying, I have a goal here. I have an ulterior motive. And a lot of the guys that I've worked with, when even when I first start working with them, they have goals like, I want to meet a bunch of girls to, to fulfill my validation needs because mommy didn't give me enough you know, good right. boy head pets when right. I was a kid. Right. And now I look to women right. for validation. Or they want to surround themselves with a bunch of rich guys so they can feel good about themselves or get access to business opportunities or things like this. And that type of person with that type of mindset, I shouldn't say that type of person because it's the mindset more than it is the person. Um, and right, the mindset right. can be changed. I think it's an important distinction. But when you show up with that kind of mindset, it's completely um, off-putting to be around. You don't sense it because you think that like people can't read my mind. I'm safe in here. But yeah, the human no. being is so, yeah. so good at detecting yeah the vibe for a lack of a better term that they know exactly what you're trying to do right away. Absolutely right away. And you show up trying to impress people by talking about your achievements. You show up trying to belittle people that you feel threatened by it's, and it's immediately obvious. And so what you want to do instead is you really want to show up and, and listen. First of all, listening to other people is very important. And detecting what is this person's needs? What does this person want? Because everyone, regardless of level of success or, or external um, symbols of wealth or whatever it might be, they all have core desires. They all have what we sort of call the primary drive emotions. For example, someone who is very wealthy, what, what could they want? What could they possibly want? Well, figure it out because they have something. Yeah. They have a thing that they're either too afraid or too nervous, or they say they can't do it, or whatever it might be. And that might be something that either you have skill with, that you could say, well, come along, I'll teach you, I'll show you how to do it. Or you may know another person that knows how to do that thing. And you could connect those two people and create value by introducing these two people. But the biggest thing when people say, what do, what could I possibly bring to the table? And there's this sort of inferiority saying like, what can I bring to the table here? Well, you can bring your ability to genuinely care and to find and give value whenever you can. And, and again, not giving value because you're hoping in the future to like extract right. something back. But just to say, I make investments into people. I make investments. And sure, if there's an opportunity in the future to repay um, and to give back. Right. It's the creation of right. true friendship, right? Absolutely. Um, it, I think it was Socrates. Socrates or I think it was Socrates who talked about three different types of friendship. He says, friendships based on pleasure, which is like your drinking buddies, your yuck, yuck friends. Right. You've got right. friendships based on utility, which is transactional. And so that could be a business partner. And then there's friendships based on virtue and value. And these are people that are like your kindred spirits. These are your brothers from another right. mother or women that you yeah. just see yeah. as like an amazing person that you just want to give to. But as much as yeah. possible, you should be real about the idea that you can be friends with someone just by the virtue of who you are and the moral sense of who you are, not because it's transactional and, and not because you have to have pleasure all the time. Like it's, Oh, we have to be having fun 24 seven. No, 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 no. Right. So yeah, I totally agree. I think it's something to, to give value and to give back to people is, is extremely important. Yeah. I had a uh, 
we used to be part of a company and uh, did a bunch of marketing for them. And one of the best friends of the CEO of the company was a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very intimidating for a lot of people when he came around mm-hmm. and he loved me. He, he loved me and, and I loved him and it was great. And the one thing that I was able to offer him was he thought it was hilarious. He thought it was funny. And he always wanted me to be around. If he was, if we were going, you know, flying somewhere, Hey, bring Rob, we're going to the club. We're going wherever we were going, Hey, bring Rob. Yeah. And it was amazing how, you know, I, I didn't want anything. And the one thing is, is that first of all, I never thought I could give him anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, you know, a lot of people were really intimidated because he's a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And this was back in the 90s. There wasn't as many billionaires as there, there yeah. are now, and they weren't as popular. The guy's a billionaire, mm-hmm. and he's very well known. And uh, it, was, it was very uh, humbling to me that I was able to just chill him and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I love that. And the other thing is, is that, I just had a great win. I've got a new business project working out and I specifically got tasked to do this because I'm going to be hanging around some A and B list celebrities, Mm -hmm. um, both actors and entertainers and musicians. And the one thing they said is they said, we know you know how to be around that environment because the one thing when you're in that environment, you can't be a fan no, you just have no. to be an equal yes. you just have to just like it, it doesn't matter and it's it's really uncomfortable for them and not if it's just uncomfortable but it just pisses them off they just yeah. don't like it they just don't like it yeah and they, and, they start you know, to ask like how did this guy even get in here <laughs> exactly 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 and so you know to i think it dives down into just be in the present moment and just to be that average just like hey i'm rob I'm Malcolm. Here I am. The universe has brought me here. Don't make it the big ego. Like, Oh my God, I'm here because I'm super. I I love the average part. And I I think it's a a really unique mindset in that it's actually, it's not really average. No, it's almost like a, it's this, it's a, it's a fake out. Yeah. It's a fake out. It's a mental And if you do it with, yeah, if you do it with ethics and integrity, the sky's the limit. And mm-hmm. once again, you and I both have the same philosophy is that we want people to take action and have their happily ever after. Absolutely. And it's, it's, um, it's funny. I want to just comment as well on your point about how when you show up in a group of high performers, we'll call them, um, in whatever field they might be, and, you're sort of, and if you're wondering what can I add to this group, you're approaching it from the wrong perspective. People, people often at that level are, they often have great personalities. Um, they're often very yeah. generous. You don't really make, there's yeah. this idea in the world that in, in order to get rich, you have to cheat people. You have to be immoral. If you're rich, that means you're immoral, something like this. And to me, it's sort of sour grapes in a lot of ways. Right. But I agree. A lot I of agree. times if you're meeting, and this is what I, what I really incur- work on for myself and I encourage a lot of my clients to do is, Try to connect with the best people you can. Surround yourself with excellence, but don't judge the excellence. And so often right. people will, in their relationships with women, for example, they will be annoyed when one of their friends has a, has a girlfriend or one of their friends has a boyfriend who is 
who's great and they and they see love nearby and they're not you have to celebrate success or you have to celebrate love yeah. wherever you see it you can't celebrate success in yourself and then judge it in other people um you're going to inevitably end up judging yourself for success as well you just have a toxic relationship with whatever your success is and you're putting it on a pedestal and then and then judging it and a lot what you need to do instead is you need to pull that down and say i'm where i am and there's people below me that look at my life and say wow if only and there's people above me who if i was to look at their life and say wow how amazing and you just have to become present and accept that you are where you are you are who you are and they are who they are and can you connect can you find commonality can you find things which the two of you can connect over not trying to impress them but trying to find the things which you have in common that's a much stronger way to create friendships and that's something that can be created cross um class maybe to call it that i don't know what other way to say it but that's how you connect if you have a guy who's a billionaire he he's not impressed by anything that you can do monetarily he's just simply not and so if no, you can find <laughs> if you can find the things that he that like he's excited yeah. about that his the japanese word for this is otaku and it's like the he gets up in the morning at 5 a.m. to drive across town to go fishing. Well, if you also love yeah. fishing, you found a thing that you can connect with someone over that is a much, much deeper, stronger way to connect is commonality. Yeah, the one thing I did is he loved my voice, like loved my voice. And so he asked me to do his voicemail. Oh, wow. And every time it was a, it was like, hey, we'd be in a social search where he said, hey, you got to call me, call me here, call, <laughs> call me, listen to it, Rob, listen to Rob on there. So yeah, super fun. That's amazing. But, yeah. I think that, I, I think that it's important to surround yourself by people that are far more, less average than you. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important. And um, I think it's important to just dare to be average. And with that, I'm just going to say, you know, Malcolm, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I just went just like that. I have to have you back. We have to talk more about the dating and action. I think that'll be fun. I'll, Absolutely. I'll have to have you on my other show, Life Transformation Radio. We'll talk about that Very cool. because uh, that's super fun. Hey, if you want to reach Malcolm, you can reach him at elevatedatingblueprint.com. And he's a super cool guy. And uh, you can find him on social media and everywhere else. And of course, you can listen to him very soon on Life Transformation Radio, or you just listen to them here on the Living the Live Action Show. Thanks for being here today, man. I Thanks really for appreciate having me on, it. Rob. I appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen. I so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me along my very special guest, Malcolm Bell, to touch your heart, move you, inspire you. And remember, take time out to breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Decide, plan, act. Live a life of massive, inspired action. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actis. Please rate, review, and subscribe.